When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey now, it's the Mike and JD show, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I love that song. It puts me in such a great mood every week. Yeah, I was uh, surprised. So I'm listening to the Lapsed Fans' Total Nonstop Hogan, mm-hmm. and they hate that song. <laughs> oh, they're so wrong. <laughs> I know that, but they're okay. the best. I love that they hate it. To be fair, I like that version of the song. AJ's yeah. actual theme, the get ready to fly, is garbage. Yeah. Well, the lyrics but, are some of the worst I've ever heard. But oh. That's what you get with wrestling songs, typically. Yeah, you're not wrong. There's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of songs like, man, you know what's a really good song? That entrance theme. Not a yeah. lot. Somebody like, going to get the ass kicked. Somebody <laughs> going to get the wig split. Like Mark, Mark Henry. Yes. But it, it like, it goes hard when Mark Henry's coming down to the ring. But when you listen to the actual song, it's like lyrically not a good song. No, no. Like I said, there's very, especially lyrically speaking, there's very yeah. few ones that are like good. I kind of like the Adam Cole one from AEW yeah. currently. I kind of think that's a, like a decent song actually. But yeah, well, Darby Allen actually has an actual rock song. As right. Is, you know, so that one's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. More more modern ones are different because they're they're licensing music from like actual bands. Mm-hmm. Not that the Mark Henry song. What? Well, I can't remember the name of the band, the the rap group that did that song. But oh. I know somebody will blow us up for that. But not me. Three. I think it was three. Was it Three Six Mafia? I think. Was it Three Six Mafia that did it? I, I think. It, I don't know. I'm about to get myself in trouble for not knowing that. But, um. But you know, they were like a legit hot really? act back in the day but they were just contracted to do the song but now what people do is they take like actual songs that bands already have with some exceptions like cody's song was you know that was made specifically for him and things like and that it's, and it's, um a i think it was aw brought downstate and they also yeah. did the theme song to avengers earth's mightiest heroes the cartoon show great cartoon great yeah. cartoon show but they did that for a live for a live performance once in an aw show and it was trash so bad. So, yeah. yeah. 
Well, good. So, man, we had uh, we had a hell of a day yesterday. I really, really wished we, we had recorded this show yesterday, no man. Because kidding, I know, dude. AEW is so fascinating. I don't want to say a dumpster fire because no. that's not that wouldn't be accurate because they're very successful still. Like they're everything seems to be going in the right direction. A, a lot of things, but the drama surrounding this company is just. Um, fascinating and we're going to get into that in a little bit but what what i want to start with right now is uh you know i'm going to talk superstar billy graham so recipe superstar billy graham the former wwf champion uh big big kind of a big star in san francisco but really made his name in awa went to went to new york went to madison square garden was uh one of the top draws ever there became one of the most influential wrestlers of all time because of uh what how he was seen on uh uh, in WWWF, and then he I, he went to he was in Florida for a little bit, Mid Atlantic for a little bit, back to WWWF, and then man, just uh, injuries and injuries on top of injuries and illnesses, and he had a liver transplant. The guy's been in rough shape for a long time. Um, but before we get started, let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of Superstar. I am the champion. I am the greatest. I am the strongest. This is my belt. I got the proof, baby. I'm the man of power. The man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. This is the body of a champion. This is the strength of a champion. This is the beauty of a champion. This is the brains of a champion. Look, look, look. Your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're hearing uh, the Muhammad Ali influence, that that that's absolutely there. He was obviously clearly influenced by Muhammad Ali, oh, yeah. who happened to be influenced by you know Gorgeous George and Classy Freddie Blassie, according to Ali, anyway. Um, and so, yeah, so every, a lot of the top superstars of the seventies and eighties emulated and directly copied superstar Billy Graham, more specifically Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes, and Jesse, the body Ventura, Jesse, the, the body Ventura look like a, like a, like a, like a, uh, a dollar tree brand superstar and that even made him a lot of money and he became a, a, a huge huge star just by basically doing the entire act almost yeah pretty much um way better body though superstar had like like nobody looked like the superstar no no like he he, he was different like Especially he in the seventies, yeah, man. Yeah, dude, he was a bodybuilder in the sixties, and then um, he brought he, you know, he became a wrestler in the late sixties, early seventies. Trained, and I think that he trained in Calgary, right, with the with the hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, and uh, and Dave Meltzer's probably gonna have a bio this week or next week, and I'm really looking forward to reading. That. Can't wait. Can't. Isn't that yeah. sad that every time someone dies, like I'm like, oh man, what a bummer. Oh, the Observer is gonna be really good this week. We we naturally think selfishly. That's how we mm-hmm. are as human beings. Like, yeah, it sucks for everybody, but I'm going to get to read this beautiful piece of artwork written by Dave Meltzer about the live superstar Billy Graham, and it's going to be fantastic whenever it drops. I don't know that he's going to get to it this week. but Well, they're actually um, friends, too. Like, they had a relationship yeah. going back a long way. Like, Dave was talking about how Superstar was the first, one of the first wrestlers he'd ever watched because it's like right when he was getting into wrestling is when Superstar was doing his thing in San Francisco. And then, you know, they were together, like, during the whole um, – um, during the Titan Gate stuff of the 90s, right? Superstar mm-hmm. was against Vince and Dave, like that famous Donahue thing. Dave oh, and yeah. Superstar sitting on the stage together with mm-hmm. Vince. Can you believe that was litigated before American Eyes on Donahue? <laughs> 
Donahue was big back in the day, man. Donahue and Geraldo and uh, Sarah, Jesse, Raphael, and uh, Ricky Lake and all them. Jerry Springer, of course. Mm. Jerry Springer was more worked than the other ones, I would say. But Donahue was like, people took Donahue, like no one took Jerry Springer seriously. Donahue people took like seriously. Like people were like, oh, this is, this is Donahue. This is like real. Yeah. And it was still bullshit, but yeah, <laughs> crazy. Like that, yeah. if you ever have the time, go look that up. Like literally this episode of Donahue it's Dave and Superstar Graham and Vince and I think John Arezzi. I mean, like, it's the John, craziest thing in the world. Yeah, John John Arezzi was there, and that Bruno Sammartino. I think. Yeah, he, Bruno. He Bruno's there. Fucking yeah, nuts, man. It's freaking yeah, yeah, nuts. The whole, yeah, the whole the whole thing is wild. You know, the the only time I ever met Dave, I was wearing a Superstar Billy Graham T-shirt, and uh, this was at an All Pro Wrestling Indie Show in uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, I went up to him just to say hi and just say, you know, I was a big fan of his work. And um, and he immediately just started talking about my shirt and just how big of a fan of Superstar he was. And um, I became a, a fan of his. Obviously, he was like way, way before my time, way before your time, too. But mm-hmm. um, the WWE released a a Superstar Billy Graham kind of a documentary that came out on video in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I watched that and then. Um, they actually aired a lot of the old clips from, from his, uh, heyday as the champion. And then I, um, and then later I got a, my hands on the dusty roads DVD that they had produced in their, in the mid two thousands and got to see the trilogy there. Cause they had it on the extras, the uh, Billy Graham and dusty roads trilogy. I mean, that guy was just, he was, you know, fantastic. I mean, obviously you know, in the ring, he didn't really do much, which he didn't have to, cause he was over. He, look, he had he the like crowd. That. Yeah. Yeah. All he had to do was just be a big guy. And then once he started selling, next thing you know, he's got the crowd. Um, the the guy was crazy and boy, oh boy, was he on steroids. Oh, well, this is why the man has had problems since the early eighties. Like yeah. he had some he had issues. Like, did you know that there was that he was the first wrestler that had the this guy's dead rumor about him? Yeah, so like, so talk about that because I know a little bit about this, but I'm not that knowledgeable on it. So the story goes that um, when Graham got the title, Vince Sr. told him, this is when you're losing the title. Like he was like Vince Sr. had this idea that he was going to book Bob Backlund as the champion, but wanted to have almost a, wanted 10 months to get Backlund over. And in that time, Graham was going to be the champion. And keep in mind, Graham is the first real heel champion they had since buddy rogers in the early 60s like uh, koloff and stasic have the titles but they're both like literally a couple day reigns before yeah, trans- quick, quick reign transition champions super yeah. super short graham has a thing for almost a year 10 months and he's selling out everywhere this dude mm-hmm. was over man he was like the first cool heel yeah, yeah, he he was like Stone Cold before Stone Cold or NWO before that. He was know? like, yeah, Kevin Nash is right. Like, there's yeah. a lot of like Kevin Nash. I I I I see a lot of like when I watch like I think Kevin Nash was like a more natural talker, but there's a lot of that charisma. I think that you can see that type yeah. of thing. Um. Anyway, so everyone thinks they should keep the title on Graham. Even Bruno, Bruno's like, we should keep the title on this guy. Business is great, <laughs> you know. That's my Bruno impression. Um. Yeah. But Vince is like, nah. Nope, giving it to Backlund. So they did Vince, it. And it senior, senior, by the way. Yeah, Vince Jr. Jr. would have kept the title. Completely on him, yeah. disagreed with it. Yeah. Because it's like that's like the prototype of a Vince Jr. guy is Billy Graham. Right? Yeah, a big jacked up dude that can talk. Yeah, because by the time Vince took over, Graham was washed. And mm-hmm. so he brought over Hulk Hogan to be his Billy Graham, basically. 
who Graham, probably a better talker, not as good a body. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so Graham goes into like a depression funk and I think he had some substance abuse issues. And then like he fell off the face of the earth. So someone thought he was dead. And that got to be a rumor. It was such a rumor. And I learned this from Dave that he wrote that, excuse me, Gorilla Monsoon wrote his eulogy for the Philadelphia Inquirer newspaper. Oh, it's so fascinating. Like, and then Graham had to reach and go say, Gorilla, I'm not dead. I'm right here. And he was <laughs> like, oh, whoops. But, he go, but then it's Dave like, goes, like, Gorilla, Gorilla couldn't write a retraction because they didn't have to admit to being wrong. And he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> so consequently, when Bruno came back to challenge Backlund, it didn't draw in Philadelphia because everybody thought that was a knockoff Graham. <laughs> like, the, like the Ultimate Warrior story from when we were kids, everybody was convinced yeah. the Ultimate Warrior had died. Similar. Because uh, he disappeared, came back, yeah. and was smaller. Right? Yeah. And there are people who thought it was dead and it was a new guy. I don't know how people could listen to Jim Helwig and think it was anybody else. But sure enough, that I, was... I, I got something on that when you're done. I just oh, okay. Quick... No, go ahead. So he comes back with the Karate Man gimmick. Karate Man, that's actually Ethan Page. But he was doing that first. Like He was like... Because he was significantly smaller, right? So he comes back as the Karate Man. And there again, he's got a shaved head. He's wearing the karate pants. He's doing like all this. I'm pretty sure he had... So bad. Pretty sure he had zero martial arts training. Zero. <laughs> yeah. I've asked I've asked Garrett to ask Dave about that though, so we'll see if if, I'm, if my theory is comes to fruition. But the coolest thing that I think in the in the return, like because again, Backlund beats Graham for the belt, and when Graham finally does his comeback, it's a different Graham. He was smaller, but this dude was so strong he ripped the title in half. Mm-hmm. Like he physically, with his bare hands, tore apart the WWF title. And then Backlund has this complete meltdown and screams and cries and pretty much kills his draw as a champion at that point. So yeah. cool angle, maybe not the best result. But yeah, Graham was Graham was awesome. Like just, yeah. like a, a, just a, an entire cult of personality guy around him. I remember the first time I saw him was when uh, – because I, was, I wasn't ever a tape trader, but I'd rent a bunch of stuff from Blockbuster. And WrestleMania 4, he came out with Don Morocco mm-hmm. to Superstar, yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar, with the the, the mm-hmm. song that later Steve Austin used in ECW. And I was like, who is this dude? He is enormous. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, read some books. I'm like, oh, that's super. Okay, Superstar Graham. Crazy. So yeah, that's that's the guy right there. So um, in the early 90s, when that rumor that Ultimate Warrior had died mm-hmm. was going around, I believed it because my uncle had me convinced that Kerry Von Erich was actually the Ultimate Warrior. I've heard that because, one. yeah, so like and I was, you know, like six, seven years old. So like like they would wrestle on the same shows, but not in the same matches until a Survivor Series. I was like, well, hey, wait a minute. Who is the Ultimate Warrior today? You know, because he was saying that it was Kerry Von Erich the whole time, and then all of a sudden they're in the same match. And I was like, well, this must be crap. This guy lied to me. Or, like, they have another body double, and then he goes away for a while, and they said that the Ultimate Warrior died, and then he came back, and then there's like, yeah, no, that's just Kerry Von Erich full time now. So there was like a small portion of my childhood where I actually believed that the Texas Tornado was also the Ultimate Warrior, just playing the same character. But uh, you know, eventually I grew up and <laughs> realized that that I was being lied to by my uncle, who might who might have uh, believed that. But um, so similar hair, superstar, similar yeah, similar hair. hair, similar build. Like they're mm-hmm. both jacked, looking great. Um, similar size. I think Warrior's a little bit bigger, but. Um, 
yeah, both both crazy physiques, crazy body, crazy people. Um, Fair. So <laughs> before we go, I just wanted to. So this got shared yesterday. I think it was Chris Zellner shared this video of Superstar just blatantly and openly talking about how much steroids he's going to take so that way he can go and beat up Bob Backlund and get his title back. Uh, the, the audio on this is pretty tough, so just bear with it. Superstar Billy Graham. And we didn't see the strength. We saw a little display of strength in the future in the uh, previous contest. But now the one coming up here in the future, will we see that awesome power once again? What type of style will Superstar Billy Graham resort to? Number one, I'm going to take seven Diana Balls a day, five Delatestral shots a week. I'm going to be so strong and so powerful. I'm going to break his back with a superstar barrel. Lock the barrel on him right with it. Till the man cries, I give up superstar. I couldn't be here to begin with. It was a mistake. The first match was. He was so Ali. He was the yeah. rhythm and the cadences are so the, Ali. The, yeah. Even the, the pointing, pointing at the at the camera. Yeah. He mm-hmm. he blatantly uh took from Ali and then all the wrestlers blatantly took from him, but that's just kind of how it goes. And Ali, admittedly, the I am the greatest came from Gorgeous George. Um mm-hmm. so that that's just kind of the that was just the cycle of wrestling. But um full cycle. man. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, we'll go ahead and pivot. So CM Punk is back in the news. <laughs> so so this is how this is how our day starts. And I'm going to keep this vague cuz I don't want to get anybody into trouble, but you know, for um the the AEW collision announcement happens yesterday morning, uh, Wednesday morning, and um CM Punk is left off of the poster, but we had been told up to this point that this was the CM Punk show. Like they're making this show for him. They're going to have a roster split and it's going to be CM Punk show. There's even some rumors that he might be booking it, yada, 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 whatever. Okay. So anyway, the, the announcement happens at the Warner Brothers Discovery upfronts. They get the poster and boom, no CM Punk. We get the announcement, no CM Punk in the announcement. We get Andrade, we got Miro, we got Thunder Rosa. Basically all of the assholes are supposed to be on collision. FTR, um, Will Hobbs, not an asshole. Everybody likes Will Hobbs, but he's going to be with that crew. Uh, on collision right and so we're like well what the hell what's going on with cm punk so then we just start start talking and we're like oh well maybe maybe they're just waiting to have the announcement on dynamite because they still have the big announcement to come on dynamite tony Khan teases the week before like okay well that makes sense and then all of a sudden we start hearing you know jd you and i are talking and we have some friends and one of our friends is saying hey man i think ace steals back and then we had another friend said hey i think ace steals back and then next thing you know, Sean Ross Sapp 
comes out with a report that they tried to get Ace Steel back, and then now rumors start flying after that that CM Punk bounced because Ace Steel couldn't be in. Um, so there was a, a portion of the day where we thought Punk was out, right? We think this guy is gone. And then all of a sudden, like we then we hear it comes out. No, CM Punk's still back in. So Fightful saying CM Punk's still back in at this point. And that's what everybody right now, I believe, is they're believing. Well, we uh, we we get to Dynamite, and we're expecting maybe we'll get the CM Punk announcement, and then Tony Khan comes on the TV, and his big announcement is that next week he has a big announcement, and then he just ends up announcing some dates that were already on the calendar that everybody fucking knew about already. Um, so we were watching this guy, and you could tell like he was not excited this week as he was last week whenever he was talking about what he's going to talk about this week. So we 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 get to we get to that. Uh, CM Punk has been left off. You and I at one point were like, nope, he's completely out. And then we're like, nope, he's completely back in. And then Ace Steel, apparently this is from Nick Houseman, dipshit. He said that um, that Ace Steel's been back for months. Um, and then he's just been working remotely. And then the issue is bringing that guy back to TV. So, JD, let's let's talk about this, man. Um, what what were your thoughts about yesterday and how crazy it was? It was crazy. I remember, and I remember I tweeted out, I wasn't being like... Um... Like I was, I wasn't trying to be mysterious, but I tweeted out a gif of Al Capone's vault with Geraldo because I was like, <laughs> "Well, that's a whole lot of nothing, right?" Yeah. That was before like noon. Because again, we thought there was yeah. going to be like a TV deal announced. We thought there was going to be a Max thing, and Brian fucking Alvarez was right. He wasn't right about the money, but he's like, "It's just going to no. be the new show." And I'm like, "Oh man, I just yeah. knew it." The second he said something, I'm like, "Man, that's oh. what's going to happen." And you people know? are shitting on our video from last week, by the way. I got to eat shit oh, on one, that one. But one <laughs> well, hey, it could be. They didn't announce anything. Nothing. Hey, I, nothing has so been we're not announced. Done yet. Yeah, we're not, yeah, we're done. not done yet. <laughs> oh, we're going to be right in the long run because we always are. Eventually. Eventually. No, I mean, so we were expecting a lot, and we didn't get a lot. We got the show that we knew we were going to get. Now, to be fair, it sounds like. It sounds like Punk and Tony had a little bit of a kerfuffle over the legal, right? <laughs> and Punk was like, probably just got a little Punk pissed. Yeah. And we know some people who have some Punk ties. And they were like, no, no, Punk will be back. He'll be back in. It'll be fine. But it sounds like Tony went, maybe he won't be fine. But then again, is it beyond Tony Punk to say, I have an announcement that next week I'm going to have an announcement? That's not beyond him, to be quite honest with you, to do something like that. No, no, because he loves that announcement hook. And unfortunately for him, the announcement hook has uh, diminishing returns at this you point. You can't do Vanderpump finale. You weren't beating that last night. Did you see the rate and the NBA last? Did you see the ratings? It was crazy. Wild. You beating that. I don't, I don't even know yeah. what a Vanderpump is. Never, but like, never in my I, life will I ever watch no. that. Yeah, no, but I mean, it killed everything last night. So, I mean, maybe it was yeah. best enough to just kind of hold off. And quite frankly, quite frankly, an announcement about the first collision being in the city of Chicago deserves its own announcement, <laughs> not to be lumped in with all that, you know, uh, uh, you uh, know, uh, Paul Canada, Canada crap. Yeah. You know, who cares yeah. about Canada? You want Chicago, yeah. a real city in a real country to have its own announcement focused just on that. Fuck Canada. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. And uh, BJ Bethel's in the waiting room. BJ, we're going to get you on here in a couple minutes. Cause I want you to weigh in on this stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the one thing about this that I just found interesting is that on Tuesday, both Keller and Meltzer were talking about Wednesday being the 
biggest and most important day in the history of AEW. People are tossing around billion dollar TV deal. And then we get to Wednesday we were. and the and the only thing that anybody is talking about is CM Punk. And I'm just like it I I just wanted I, I would love to get inside Tony Khan's brain because I know he's a big fan of him and I'm a big fan of CM Punk too. But I'm like you know, dude, you're already a billionaire. I mean, how many more millions do you think Punk can get you at this point? Because, like, like yesterday, and, and Dynamite was a really good show last it night. And even show. then, at the end of it, you know, some people are talking about Hangman's eye patch. Most people are still talking about the drama surrounding CM Punk and will he come in and will he won't um, come in. And then, of course, CM Punk takes to Instagram, and now he's starting a fight with uh, Brian Alvarez. Check this out. One more before I go really quick. Um, the parasocial relationship a lot of fringe wrestling fans have with certain people is really unhealthy. Um, I get the tribalism, like it's fun to root for your team, but picking sides seems a little silly. You don't know me. You don't know anybody else. Um, so, you know, just go touch grass. To be fair, in a vacuum, he's right. He is in a vacuum. I mean, like, yeah, him and I mean, him. It sure sounds like he just doesn't like Brian Alvarez, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It sure sounds like he doesn't like Brian Alvarez. But I don't know. So the whole day was ruined by CM Punk, and I don't know that CM Punk even did anything was because they took. Was it ruined? You and I were uh, just doing nothing but laughing throughout the whole no, day. So our it, entertainment was, value was off the charts. It was great for us because I was yes. highly entertained. Me too. Um, but it was, I would say, for AEW, it seemed like like the party was ruined for AEW. And some of these hardcore AEW fans who live and die with AEW positivity, these fucking mouth breathers. But um, anyway, uh, we got uh, we got BJ Bethel from <laughs> SE Scoops. BJ Bethel, we're we're a little heated today. Sorry. <laughs> Wow. How are you, uh, how, how you doing, DJ? Okay, what, <laughs> so, what do you, man, Canada what do you make of this? Mouth breeders or <laughs> everyone bow to Chicago. Yeah. That's what what do you make of this whole thing, BJ? What, what were your thoughts about uh, AEW yesterday? Eh, I, I really love the women's tag match between the Outcasts and Sheeta Britt. I thought that, good. Just, I thought it was yeah. that. That division and those women in particular have been slowly building and doing some wonderful stuff on TV for months, and uh, it and it's a real team effort. Um, they put in some new faces like Willow Nightingale, who might be the most charismatic woman on the roster. She got that infectious smile. She's super athletic. She brings power. Jamie Hader is probably the might be the best women's wrestler in North America right now. Um, yeah, nobody wants to hear me talk about this wonderful stuff going on because this <laughs> can't keep stepping from his own genitalia as he likes to use that term. Um, I, I think he hates Brian Alvarez because Brian Alvarez is taller than him. Um, and probably better at jujitsu too. Yeah. Well, from what I heard, uh, Punk, yeah, yeah, I think Alvarez is probably better than him at jujitsu. Um, I got some friends that run those circles in Chicago. Um, to be fair, Punk's just. You know, when he started doing it, he was shattered, beat the crap. Yeah. But, um, but I, I mean, I think it was better to have the blow up now than a month or two months or three months into your show. I, I don't, I don't, I find it highly 
unrealistic from CM Punk or anyone else to believe that Ace still could come back and work in that backstage area after what happened. This is a guy who should have been charged with assault, uh, misdemeanor assault. Um, this is somebody they didn't charge him with that. He probably would have at least spent the night in jail. Um, he probably, you know, it may not have had jail time. You could say the same about Punk. He just, gave, I mean, any other person cheap shots a, you know, a, an executive vice president in front of the legal team head, you know, they're going away in a cop car. Um, I, I just, don't, I don't understand what world this guy lives in where he thinks that he can get away with these things. And the thing that really upsets me the most is that he is not only, this isn't about him. This is about the 200 or so employees of All Elite Wrestling, the people backstage, the people selling t-shirts, the people working on the website, the people that are coaching and producing, the guys that make up the mid card, the, the, the uh, lower card, the people that wrestled on, um, you know, who filled in like Leva Bates did for years, been in spots, Peter Avalon, people like that who worked backstage and out in front in the ring when they needed him, who busted her ass to get this company going. He is, this is the second time he's put all their jobs in danger. And frankly, I, it would, I would be very, very happy if he never was in a wrestling ring ever again. So I, I think the reason, like you said, well, what is he thinking? Why does he think he can get away with this? And I think it's because he can, and he is, and he will. And until you actually experience some type of harmful consequences, you typically continue to, um, to do the same bullshit. And to be honest, yeah. if you're CM Punk, who's got the leverage in this relationship right now? Because Collision lives and dies right now with, with Punk. If they're going to do a brand split and they're going to have Miro and Andrade and Hobbs and these guys be the top stars, it ain't going to work. That's two hours of rampage right there. You yeah. got to have CM Punk. This thing only works with CM Punk. And and look, and Ace Steel, he's been back for months, apparently. As a matter of fact, I and I love this about them, by the way, because Impact is kind of like they should be doing trashy things. And they actually reached out to this guy to try to hire him for a spot on TV. They, they were going to bring him into Chicago recently. Impact. And I'm like, I, I love it. Like they, they actually were going to bring him in and he had to turn them down because he already had a job with AEW, his AEW gig. And this was like they were in. Chicago like two weeks ago. So this was very recent. So Houseman is reporting that Steele has been back for months working remotely. So I and I want to get both of you guys in on this and I'll go to you first, BJ. What is your favorite secret employee scandal? Is it is it Dixie Carter hiring Vince Russo behind the backs of Spike TV? Or is it Tony Khan hiring A Steel behind the backs of his EVPs? Go ahead, BJ. I mean the A still one's fantastic, <laughs> but the way Vince Russo accidentally emailed Mike Johnson instead of Mike <laughs> A, legendary, that, Legend that is the legendary, <laughs> that is the legendary colossal secret explosion of all time. The most Vince Russo the whole story yeah. in the history of the, the most Dixie Carter, the most Vince Russo. <laughs> it got them kicked off of Spike. Yeah, uh, it, because Vince the whole Russo's a dipshit. Can't figure out who to email. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like it's like you know, and it's like you look at Punk and you're thinking Vince Russo did this, and you look at Punk. It's like is he really that different than Vince Russo at this point? You know, it's like I mean, is he gonna be calling AEW? Is he gonna be calling TBS up at some point saying, you know what, you need me or you can't have the show running? Because it's basically what he's saying. I mean, I don't that, think it did that happen already. Enough. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, there? if they're going to do a brand split, <laughs> Punk needs to be there. But if I mean, you need, or you need to shift some other main eventers over. And I honestly think there's nobody in the main event main event right now that's willing to work with him. Uh, yeah. But um, but you can still run two shows. You just can't do the brand split. Um, that would be your that would be your that would be your option. Um, but it just it blows my mind that Warner had to go and redo all their graphics for the present. This is a guy who's going to be announced as mm-hmm. part of this brand new primetime TV show on a massive cable network that outdraws many of the network TV channels. And he, you know, he's mad because his buddy has to work remote. Now mm-hmm. we heard different information, not necessarily contract like contrary information, but we heard that Punk not being part of the upfront was nothing to do with was what we heard from a friend. There's nothing to do with um the the blow up. We actually heard that the plan was Punk's request not to be part of the upfront and to have the reveal on the show. And then the the blow up also worked in that. They were actually two right. separate things. That is what oh. we were told by a Let's be honest, the punk source. Yeah, yeah. well, what's Nick Houseman? Who's been Nick Houseman's about? definitely a punk source. We don't talk to Nick I mean, Houseman. Yeah. I, don't even know that guy. I mean, the AEW people I've talked to, they, you know, I mean, it would have to be up to Tony because he knows all. He, there's a lot of things he keeps close to the chest. I don't know if Ace Steel's been working for them or not. I do know people I talked to today at AEW said, as far as they knew, he was nowhere around or even working anywhere. Now, does that mean he's been pay- collecting a paycheck? Doesn't mean he hasn't been. Doesn't mean he hasn't been doing, you know, taking money because this has been a very precarious situation. Tony's kind of kept from firing or releasing anybody. I think at one point people thought I was told Steele was gone at one point. I don't know if they brought him back or not. Um, it, it's This is just such a PR disaster because they come off one of their best dynamites in a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been on a really strong run, especially once it got announced that they were going to ha- and they're going to have a TV deal and it's going to be a huge deal. Um, I mean, I don't know if I ever believe the billion dollar mark. Did, they, did anyone ever come out and confirm the TV deal money for real? No, I heard no. that yet because it's been buried under all this stuff. But I mean, I still believe it's going to be 70 to 100 million a year. I haven't heard anything different from that. If it's a billion or more total, 1.2, like Keller's reported, I'd be fantastic. Um, I mean, that's almost NHL money. Um, mm-hmm. but it. it it, it, this is just such a disturbing story in so many ways. It's just, this is a guy who, you know, and he's going to, you know, WWE's kind of washed their hands of him. And I, to me, if I'm Tony Khan, I just have to say, you know, you can't keep risking your brand and your company and yourself and your relationship with your employees with this guy, because this isn't a guy that, it, I mean, Meltzer made mention of this as well. The locker room has not settled with Punk. They're not happy with him. They have not forgiven him for anything that's related to uh, brawl out. Um, Britt Baker recently just shot, you know, without naming him by name, just blitzed him in an interview. Uh, so did John Moxley. Um, and in, in, in the same interview, he was putting over the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, you know, and it's it, and his frustration was, you know, why aren't people talking about Vikingo and uh, Omega's match? And why instead are we talking about this guy that hasn't been on TV in nine months? Um, yeah. You know, if I'm those guys, you know the Bucks and the Bucks Omega, they haven't resigned. They haven't resigned yet. Yeah, I'd and that was them a little bit more than I'd worry about this Chicago guy. That, and that was my that was my next thing I wanted to bring up to you guys because so you know punk you punk punk aside right 
Punk, uh, obviously Punk threw the first punch. The Young Bucks don't seem like the type of guys that are going to like throw the first punch, but Punk, like Punk is, Punk's from Chicago. So JD, JD, JD would throw the first punch. Mike, uh, because I can't fight, I'm just going to start swinging, hoping that nobody hits me back. But like, so he, he throws the first punch and he is more of an aggressive personality and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are more passive aggressive. And now that the fact that, that a, they're seek, they have secretly hired, a steel who took a chunk out of, out of Kenny Omega's arm. He took, he took well, allegedly, <laughs> but Kenny Omega did use that spot in his match, so it kind of <laughs> sounds true. And he did have a mark on his arm that looked like uh, teeth marks. But so, so if if you're those guys, and Tony Khan has secretly brought a steel back for months and has been paying him under the table, like, are do you still? Would you even want to resign there? Because like. It seems like Khan is not really like a trusted agent. Like he's not he's not being forthcoming with his EVPs. I I would agree that there's a lot of trust issues between Tony Khan and his and his entire roster. Um, and I also think there's pro, there's issues between him and the EVPs probably from this. If he they didn't know about it, that doesn't mean that. The thing is, is I have not heard anybody confirm that he's actually been working. Um, I mean, just, just Houseman. Just, it's just how well, I don't believe I mean, I, I think Nick's a very good reporter. I'm sure he had a really good source on that, but I would just I would have verified that I've talked the people that I've talked to. He steals name hasn't been mentioned in forever. Uh, okay. I, I to me, it would be they, to me, the priority is and this was a big deal to people that I talked to at AEW, even with Warner was that to make sure they sign and keep the elite. And one reason for that was how Cody Rhodes was able to go over, even though he was having issues getting over the fans, you had him getting booed beside, beside, despite being a baby face. You had uh, just issues with storylines with him. You know, he goes to WWE, he just gets to star welcome. He's the number one baby face in the company for over a year. He main events WrestleMania. I mean, he doesn't win the match and it starts an internet firestorm. Uh, signing the elite. The Young Bucks, Omega, what they stand for, keeping them with that company has to be their top priority. I mean, they did fine for two years, three years without CM Punk. They got a next TV deal extension without CM Punk. Um, there was never guarantees that he was coming back, and there's a lot less guarantees with his health. This is a guy coming off two serious injuries and within a three-month span of him wrestling. So I... If to me, I think they really need to relook at their priorities. I think they really need to get some things straight and decide, okay, who who are we as a company? Who are the people we're going to have here? And what are we going to do about, uh, you know, how are we going to handle talents like this that are destructive to our company? I mean, you know, I know Punk's a great name. He was, he's certainly, you know, his ratings draws, his, his draws as a rating kind of fell on TV wise, which, you know, could be because of the viewership losses overall, but his pay-per-view—I mean, pay-per-view buys on AEW were grow substantially with him. With them, yeah. I mean, he's good that way, but it's like, how much are those buys worth? Are they worth wrecking your whole company over? Is it worth this internal, external soap opera constantly for the last nine months and the morale hit it takes? And um, and 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 from what I understand, this blow up was considered to be worse than the last one. I've I, I even I, I but there's a lot of things I'm hearing competing information on and and it's like uh, you know I've heard it only Khan and and Punk have only been talking through lawyers I don't know if that's true or not I've had other people tell me they haven't been talking to me through lawyers they have discussed things together because they would to plan something like this 
um you know to me it's just like okay how's this affect the tv deal how's this affect the other guys in there in, in your company and i gotta be honest i i mean warner was the one that came out and said you know cm punk's not affiliated with collision mm. um, that, that seemed like a pretty def definite statement um i yeah. i i think i think they i think a, i think tony i think AEW. they really need to take a good look at themselves and say is this guy worth this trouble and he's not J jd go ahead no, it's your Kenny Omega's uh, speech, post-Dynamite speech last night. Comicbook.com I saw posted. It's the mm -hmm. only way I really saw. They posted the the transcript of it, and I'll go over that in case you haven't heard. He goes, but it all pales in comparison to something near and dear to my heart. I almost want to do this in the Kenny rhythms, but I won't. And that's catching <laughs> up with someone that I thought I might never be able to be in the same room with again. So if there's one thing this proves, Hangman, talking to Hangman, it's that bitter enemies, bitter rivals, and men that once hated each other can sit in a room, sit in a ring, and hash it out for the greater good. So call me old-fashioned, if you will, but to me, that sounds like cause for a celebration. You haven't had much to do with Lee Brandon, so come in the ring with the goodies, will you? So um, is he, in the kayfabe world, he's talking about Hangman, but Kenny Omega is also Kenny Omega. Yeah. Right? He likes to talk through things that 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 to me reads more like an olive branch from yeah. that side than anything we've we've ever heard and kenny it seems like there it, it's always been like weird about what was said with kenny it always seemed like there are always rumors bound that kenny was just in the wrong place like didn't really know what was going on because he was not around when things got bad right yeah. kenny kenny was the champ when punk came in and then he was gone pretty quick we had that yeah. string of injuries and then it was still pretty happy dory so it seems like he comes back right away and he's like hey guys what's going like that donald glover meme right walks in with the pizzas and everything's <laughs> on fire and he's like he, he oh, just walks shit. into a room and he walks into a room and some guy bites him it's it bites wild. him and it seems like <laughs> we, we made we made jokes on this show the old show he's trying about to save the dog kenny and the dog we're like oh kenny's after yeah. the same <laughs> the dog but i mean like um so it seems like and the Bucks didn't exactly get pissy about it. It did seem to me in that moment that maybe they are all thinking, you know, for the greater good of this company, we will something. I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because Kenny Omega never does anything um, not with purpose behind it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I, so I, I will say this. I, they could They could possibly relate to Punk and his loyalty to people. I mean, granted, it's as long as he's been out of the business and some of the bridges he's burnt, that's fewer and fewer people that he's got as close friends that are still in wrestling business. But, I mean, look at how Adam Page stuck up for Colt Cabana, like how, you know, the Young Bucks wanted to take mm -hmm. care of people who helped them and were, you know, big parts of their lives and their careers. And um, it maybe they relate to that a little bit. Um, maybe they're trying to, you know, say this is something that's nine months going on I, I have heard it if, of any of the three that the one that would be most pliable to do anything with punk would have been is omega yeah um for the buck or of course matt jackson got punched in the face and nick got you know i uh, i can't remember what happened oh yeah he got a trash can thrown at him <laughs> <laughs> even in real life they throw trash cans at each other even in real life, life, they're throwing trash cans at each other. Yeah. Come on, man! I, I always thought those were hey, kayfabe no, no, anyway. What, what's, I like hey, what, what's the saying? The biggest marks are in the locker room, man. Hey. Yeah. <laughs>
Hey, uh, BJ, before before we let you go, um, I, I wanted to talk to you about about this. You didn't write this, but the, I first saw it on SE Scoops, and so those are some of your homies over there, that um, WWE SmackDown was not actually um, a part of the Fox upfronts. I've since saw that uh, that was the case for NBC. Now, it could just be that the rights deal is coming up and they don't have a contract yet, so they haven't decided, so they didn't put them on the upfronts, or... You know, it could be something deeper. Could Fox be trying to move away from WWE? What do you think? I've been told since the beginning of the entire Fox deal with WWE that they have not been happy with the ratings. Wow. Um, I, I think because it was they're going on a network, they're, they did not have the numbers they were expected. To, between the deal taking place and them going on air, they lost around, I think, half a million or more viewers, maybe a million. I have to go back and check. And Fox with SmackDown, you know, this is very much a network thing where it's, okay, it's branding. It's what do you want to put on Friday nights, things of that nature. I, I honestly thought SmackDown's ratings were strong enough, especially over the last year. I think the way WWE has grown their ratings, the way this, that they've been able to manage this bloodline storyline and make it something that it, it has really grown a company in our gates in this time period, I think it's been very, very impressive. I think they deserve to be re-upped by Fox, but I don't think Fox has been interested in re-upping them for a while. I don't know if that is the reason why they were not. I I heard they were not going to be bringing SmackDown back. I heard the most likely landing spot for it would have been on USA or somewhere in the peak. Maybe you know I doubt if it would have been on NBC, but it'd been probably on USA as a Friday night show. Um, of course, I don't know how that affects with other things they have going on, but that was what I was told. That doesn't mean things haven't changed. That doesn't mean, you know, Fox could look at this a different way. But the, the fact that it wasn't on the schedule, they haven't talked already. I mean, AEW's deal is not up for a while yet. They came in up front with all these new announcements with, you know, mm-hmm. w, you know Warner streaming with, um, you know, with the uh, do TV show. They, they've had all this laid out. I mean, it, it's it, it's kind of concerning if you're a fan of Fox with SmackDown. But to me, I think whatever's going to happen, WWE is going to be fine. You look at the money yeah. that. I mean, I mean, you look at the money that this AEW is getting for, you know, even I mean, if it's the half billion mark that I think they'll probably end up with, if it's the billion dollar mark that that many people well more well connected with than me have been talking about. I mean, what's WWE going to command? I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to tremendous, you know, cash flow for them. They're going to be fine no matter what. I mean, I like having them on Fox. I thought it was a great spot for pro wrestling for them to showcase. It'll be a disappointment, but they'll be fine. They'll they'll keep rolling. Couple so things. So one one of the oh sorry, go ahead, JD. No, I was saying a couple of things we talked about with uh, with this is um, pro wrestling does not get does not generate great ad dollars, and that yep. matters more on network than it does in cable. So mm-hmm. and the fact that Fox is losing money because sometimes it's not always about hey we won the night. If you're losing money on the show, that's not a good thing. No. Second of all, and with Remember these two. Remember they made the two deals to Raw and SmackDown. That was pre Peacock. I'm sure now that Peacock, which let's be honest, I know we've just, we've argued this in the Discord in the Discord, but a major reason for WWX up, WWE's upturn. I said WWF. How old am I? WWE's <laughs> upturn in popularity is related to Peacock, right? You take your major shows and you open up the accessibility to them. Peacock's played a major role in that. I am sure NBC Universal would like to get the entire package yeah. under one banner. So it make it it makes sense when you break it down. If Fox isn't making a lot of money on it, 
And Peacock would like, and you know, when I say Peacock, I mean Comcast, the Comcast entity in of itself, yeah. would like to have the entire WWE package back. I mean, like it kind of makes it, it kind of makes sense to see where it goes. And like again, SmackDown's a lot of the reason their ratings are higher than Raw because they're on network, right? You're always mm-hmm. going to generate more network than in, than in cable, maybe not always, but traditionally. Yeah. So. The next six months are going to be very, very interesting in media rights as far as this plays out. I don't think AEW has announced everything yet. I don't think all the deals are quite done as of yet. That's my thought. Yeah, I was told by somebody they expected to see press releases at the beginning of the business week this week about the, the, their TV deal. Stuff leading in the upfront, obviously, I didn't happen. I was wrong about it. But um, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that could be playing into the Fox deal is that WWE is now owned by Endeavor. He owns UFC. He left Fox to go to WWE. Um, mm-hmm. go to, not to go to WWE, but they left Fox. They took UFC away from Fox to go to ESPN. That may play a part in all this. Um, I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's just some nugget to consider. It was it. I mean, maybe they're looking to package everything. Maybe not. I don't know. But I, I, I agree with a lot of what you had to say on that. I, I think that. You know, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, oh, just, one of the interesting, crazy time right now. One of the interesting things that Nick Khan brought up today was one that the willingness to move SmackDown off of Friday night if they had to, which SmackDown I think has been on every night of the week with the exception of Monday. It uh, it has served throughout their history. I know they did Tuesday, sure. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yeah. Um, so he did bring that up. Um, what one idea that was floated out there was well, Amazon Prime be on Saturday soon because guess what's going to be on Saturday here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so one idea that was floated out there was Amazon Prime, which is paying big, big dollars to NFL to because they kind of want to be that big time premium sports station, the the big the first big streaming station. And another thing that has come out now that ES that the the UFC um, has all the media rights for uh, ESPN has all the media rights for UFC, UFC and uh, WWE are now TKO. They're one company. Could they do a, a package deal there? Well, ESPN is now um, making ESPN Plus like the hub for ESPN television, meaning they're going to have a live linear ESPN on there. So direct the ESPN that you get on direct to consumer, so ESPN is going to go. It'll still be on your cable channels, still going to be there, but it's also going to be a part of ESPN Plus. I don't know when that's going to happen. So they're Wouldn't trying the WWE to make WWE Network be a nice addition and sell point for that. That's where I was going with that. So WWE Network, uh, you got WWE Network. You essentially have UFC Fight Pass all on ESPN Plus. You can have because so many people have ESPN Plus already. You can have SmackDown just air on ESPN Plus. It doesn't even because you don't want it on ESPN because it's going to get preempted too much. But ESPN Plus, you, it, you just air it whenever you air it. That's no yeah. no big deal. Nothing's ever going to preempt that. So it'll always be there. So streaming could be an option. And as of right now, um, ESPN is. They're, they're cutting talent, they're cutting laborers, they're cutting everybody else, but they're throwing big money at guys like Pat McAfee. They're throwing big money at the UFC, which is essentially keeping ESPN Content. plus afloat. And now, uh, and I bet they're going to throw big money word, at, at right. WWE. That's what it is. Yeah. They're investing in content. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what all these companies are doing. They're investing in content and they're cutting Warners the same way, right? They've been yeah. firing people left and right and getting rid of yeah. stuff, but they're investing in new content because that's what keeps this thing churning. Well, it's they're not, not only doing that, they're trying to find stuff they believe is not even going to be a, a pro, you know, a profit center or a draw to the network and they're mm-hmm. getting rid of that. I mean, Warner's kind of led the charge on that with HBO and with what's happened to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. 
mm. which is something I don't like. I don't see the I don't see the purpose in dropping content. I think if you're gonna pay for something every month and then have something disappear off of it six months down the line, I think you're getting less than your money's worth. But um, I don't know that I don't know the games these guys play with the streaming. I, I just they they make it seem like server space is an issue. Like, what can your computer? My, <laughs> my iPhone's getting kind of full. I got to delete some pictures. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, I, well we don't have well, they drop it and the they cloud. yeah. We don't well, have so, but, room on a cloud for you know. So what they do is they own they own those movies and they own those TV shows now and but they're not getting any play on HBO Max. So what they do is they drop them from Max and they license it to other streaming services. So yeah. now they can license that same that same TV show or movie on Pluto and Pluto can sell ads off of it, right? They can do Revenue stuff like generation. that. Yeah, the John yeah. Wick movies have been they're on different streamers now, even some free streamers. I know uh TBS has been airing a lot of HBO content. Mm-hmm. Uh from the, uh, I think it was the uh, one of the DC Universe shows from a few years ago it began on HBO, it'd been on TBS. It Titans. Start Silicon Valley, which was my judge comedy I really liked, had been on TBS. Started they started that over on there, brought it off the you know the premium. It was on the premium channel, then it was on streaming. Now they're going to try it on TBS. Um, you know, you can do a lot of different things when you own all this stuff, and it's right now content is still kind of king. Um, I don't know if that's going to hold. I think that's why this deal is so important for AEW more so than anybody, because this will establish whether their their future as a company, if if they're a permanent part of this marketplace, and if you know, and it looks like you know, ninety nine point nine percent sure, yeah, they're going to be a permanent part of the North American marketplace in wrestling for for now on until <laughs> until Tony Khan decides to stop doing it. Well, it's funny when Warner was talking about what they, when they were talking about the difference between a Max an HBO subscriber and a Discovery Plus subscriber, they talked about the Discovery Plus subscriber when they're in, they're in because they like all that shit. They like yeah. 90 Day Fiance, they like the Chip and Joanna stuff. With an HBO subscriber, there's a lot more turnover, right? Yeah. Is they'll check out Euphoria, but when Euphoria is done, maybe they'll bounce out. Maybe they won't stick around for Last of Us. So the idea is what's drawing to HBO isn't the old stuff. It's the new stuff. So yeah. that's the advantage of, a, of of having AEW. It's not just the library. It's the fact that potentially, I'm not saying they're going to do this, potentially you've got a big show every two months or something like that, yeah. right? Is you have, you give people a reason to subscribe to your network. Yeah. I still truly believe that announcement comes over the summer because you can't run two pay-per-views back to back week, but you, yeah. you can't do it. No one's going to, especially with what, with what, they ask for it. I'm, I can't. I love that company. I ain't spending a hundred bucks in two consecutive weeks. I'm not a UFC fan. I'm not made of money. Like, like <laughs> wait, JD, wait happen. a minute. Wait, JD, UFC pay per views cost money. To, Since, well, to, oh, to never mind. You're 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 advertising how much of a scumbag you are, Mike. Be careful. <laughs> oh my bad, my bad. I thought you can just click a link on your phone and just watch it. My bad. You are a government employee, <laughs> sir. Be careful. <laughs> Uh, here, Dana White. Here's the deed of my house. I just want <laughs> yeah. to watch, watch uh, you know, Tito Chuck 25, you know, uh, <laughs> at least that crap back on. Uh, watch that at this point. I would watch those two fight in 2020. I, I would too. What am I saying? I would. Shamrock, Ortiz, let's do it again. I would watch that octogenarians yeah. fighting. 
be great. I mean, yeah. if, Sak- if Sakuraba came back, if Sakuraba showed back in up in UFC, yeah, I mean, I don't care if you. I mean, he's sixty-eight, nine. You know, he's eight hundred years old. I'd still, I'd, I'd buy the paper. Wait, he's he's please, young sir. in Noah years. Yes, yeah. please, sir. Put some respect on that Noah and that current Noah talent that is because yeah. she's Sakuraba. He's, <laughs> he's actually a spring chicken in Noah right now. Yeah, old. he's up for rookie of the year, right? There's a lot of old, yeah. We're big Noah fans. There's a lot of old timers. They're gonna bring back Kobashi and it's gonna drop the median age of the roster by 10 years dude if kobashi yeah. could go he would be I'm a in. part of wrestling universe right now i'm yes, telling you yeah. that i, I right can tell now. you right now if he was going he would have like a 10 million dollar if he could just go in and do the if he could just come in and do the uh lariat like he did uh you know he could just come in and do the corner chops he would have a 10-year deal with aew right now there's i mean <laughs> everybody from the owner to every person on the roster their favorite wrestlers kobashi but yeah um did you watch just, any uh, of the Muda stuff, sir? Did you see any of <laughs> what the great Muda was doing over the I last just, three years? You know, I, I've watched I've watched a few of the Muda matches over the last three years. I just want to say, I I was work you know I worked some hard physical jobs over the last couple of years. You know, journalism it goes ups and downs. You know, you're full time here. Next thing you know, you're working physical labor. You know, and I spent some 10, 11 hour days. You know, on my feet nonstop on concrete, 10, 12 hours at a shot. Nothing hurt my knees worse than watching the great Muta try to wrestle or move around <laughs> or even come down the ramp. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't I mean, he looks like he's on, he looks like he has strings holding him up at this point. Um, and you know, it, it you know, the, the, if and you look at this guy, he doesn't think he's much different. Than he was in 1992, you know, he's still, he still expects to be put over. Uh, he still yeah. expects to have the belt, you know, um, but well, he's uh he's still over and he was still drawing, but yeah. <laughs> no. thirty thousand people that retirement show. Yeah. We should and all now, have the confidence of we should all have the confidence of twenty twenty three KG Muto. Yeah. yeah. Hey uh hey well, hey BJ man, I think uh, I think we're gonna go ahead and, and let you go and we're gonna okay. um we got a couple more news items here Sounds that JD great. and I are gonna close out. Thanks for all coming, right. man. Thanks, man. Hey, no problem. I just one quick thing. Uh you know, rest in peace, superstar Billy Graham. I got a chance to him a few times a few years ago. And I don't think people understand just, you know, you know, they, they titled his WWE documentary 20 years, 20 years too early. That's crap. Billy Graham was a magnificent star in his age. It was just a shame that the massive health problems he had to deal with from like the mid eighties onward. And, you know, it, you know, we, a lot of people know better because he kind of, paves it forward in some wrong ways and some other ways just through his bodybuilding but he was a gentleman when i talked to him he was friendly he was very knowledgeable and he was just such a huge figure i mean he was the first larger than life kind of cross you know media kind of personality in wrestling in that era in the 70s and 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 he really pushed that into the 80s he was kind of the uh, template for a lot of guys and he was just such a good guy. He was such a huge performer. And I think the, the loudest I've ever heard of Madison Square Garden crowd was for him and Dusty Rhodes. You know, wow. I, I mean, him and Dusty Rhodes, you know, I, I wasn't old enough to see it, but I remember watching the tapes way, way back then. And I remember watching them up and just, I've never heard a crowd ladder in my life than it was for Gridilly Graham and Dusty Rhodes. And I wish WWE would have gave him, or WWF, WWF at the time would have gave him the baby face run he wanted. I think he would have been, that's probably the one thing I wish he would have had 
besides, you know, not having to deal with the health issues that have been the baby face run in the 70s. I think he would have been one of the biggest, I think he would have been the biggest draw in WWF history. But yeah. uh, RIP Superstar, we love you. We miss you. And Valerie, you know, hearts out to you. Absolutely, BJ. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. Thanks, uh, take care, and we'll, we'll get you on Thanks. again soon, okay? All right. Take it easy, guys. Thanks for having Later, me. Later, man. It's the gong show, All apparently. Right. Yeah, all right. Sorry, my wrist, my wrist hit the microphone. <laughs> my watch hit the microphone. Very final. I like having yeah, BJ. Yeah. I like having yeah, B- BJ on. Yeah, BJ's great, man. I, lo- I love having him on. He he offers a, a different insight than you and I because we're Absolutely. you know he's like a real journalist, and you and I are a couple of meatheads. So correct. It's really good. To, it's good to have a different a different opinion on. Um, Frat boy so, humor. Yeah, man. So we've already we're coming up on an hour. So let's go ahead and uh, knock out some of this uh, last bit of news. Hey, it. we uh, it's Wrestle World at it's Wrestle World. I've become friendly with him, by the way. He's broken a lot of stories lately, yes. and he he is saying that Drew McIntyre has indeed resigned with WWE. However, Wade Keller and Sean Rossap said that is not true. But it's Wrestle World has had some stuff right lately, so I'm not saying it is one way or the other. I'm just saying that's what he's saying, and he's been pretty right lately. I'll reach out to our friend. I haven't reached out to him in a little while. So he's, I assume Drew is going to resign. I never really thought yeah. there was to be like, oh, he could go to AEW. I'm like, that would be cool, but I don't. I'm pretty sure Drew's happy where he's at. He just wants to get paid more, which again, yeah. who doesn't, right? Yeah. So yeah. I will lean into the fact that I bet he isn't signed yet but it's coming. Yeah. Uh, Pat McAfee, uh, we talked about earlier. He just signed a huge deal with ESPN. He's leaving a fan duel. So he's going to be on ESPN's YouTube channel, ESPN, ESPN plus um, all over those networks. And he gets to curse. He just can't say the F word, which is, uh, you know, kind of a shame. I, I miss uh, Pat uh, saying the F word on his, uh, on his shows, although it would get me in trouble at work sometimes whenever I'd have it going. But uh, yeah, Pat McAfee, man, big, big deal. Uh, probably not coming back to WWE full time anytime soon. That's all right. I mean, like he's probably the most important. Uh, how do I put this? Like sports commentary figure in going today like like, i don't know who i would compare him to who would you who would from back in the day who would you compare pat mcafee to you know kind of like um you know as far as a drive time radio guy you know jim rome dan patrick uh those guys are always big on those drive time radio Yeah, but none of them were former athletes like that like no No, one's ever kind of transcended from being a successful athlete to to really getting to this level. Like usually like a Troy Aikman who like, you know, was, was a commentator, you know, just the color guy. Like this guy is is driving a media empire on his own. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah. He is a media empire and a, like a a sports and entertainment empire. He, Mm -hmm. his YouTube show does massive, massive numbers every single day and it's live. And, uh, and he decided that if he's wherever he goes, he's going to make sure this show is free on YouTube. And that was the deal with ESPN. His show is still going to be free on YouTube. I have never heard concept. of it. And no, it's it's really so. It really is a fun show. Like if you just like, um, e- even if you're not a huge sports fan, like the energy that those guys have on that show and how they're busting each other's balls, he's kind of like a sports version, a way less vulgar and less sexual version of Howard Stern from Howard Stern back in the day. Or it's an ensemble cast, and they got a cast of characters and recurring guests, like you know Howard back in the day. Mm-hmm. His, he had he would have the whack pack. He'd have you know Baba Booey and all those guys and Fred and 
and Robin Quivers. And then he would have recurring guests like Sam Kinison and Gilbert Gottfried and Bob Saget and all these guys. Well, it's kind of similar with Pat McAfee, how every Tuesday he has Aaron Rodgers and, and he has all these different, you know, big time sports celebrities and media celebrities. And they all, and they, you kind of like when they're on the show, it's like, you're getting the real person. You're not getting the fabricated version of who they are because Pat can bring you in and kind of get you to kind of be settled down a little bit, get over yourself and just kind of be a real dude. Hmm. Let's check it out sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun show. I, I, I obviously I'm i uh, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. So yeah. I, I like, I like that. Um, the Von Ericks, um, they are not only are they free agents. Now they have, they're free from their MLW contracts. They have actually left Kauai. And they are moving to a ranch just outside of San Antonio, Texas, man. So the Kauai, uh, the Von Erichs, full-time in the States now. I would not be surprised to see them with other AEW or Impact over the next couple of months. I don't think they'll go to WWE, mainly because, I say this is a former MLW guy, uh, they're not that great. And if they can't be Von Erichs, what else can they be? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. If they're if they're Lance and Marshall Carey or Kevinson or something like that, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just not the same than them being yeah. Von Erics. And I think AEW could do a good job of really exploiting that fact. Um, I could see them doing some stuff at Impact too, but that's kind of my thought. I think they're moving here for a reason. Yeah, and I, I think they obviously they probably obviously think that they have a deal on the table somewhere. Mm-hmm. If I were a betting man. Tony Khan signing everybody. He's got this new two-hour show. He's also got the third hour with Rampage. And he's also got two hours every week with Ring of Honor. He's got a lot of hours to fill, and he needs talent on top of talent, which Does is he? kind of what he – he already has it, but you yeah. know, he just – he kind of likes that safety net of having too many people on his roster where he always has like people in his reserves that he can he's like – he's like a military general where he has like his active duty. He has his like top guys up front, and then he also has his reservists that he can pull at any time. And so we saw Miro get called up from the reserves this week. We saw Thunder Rosa and Andrade get called up from the reserves. I forget who posted. I forget posted. Someone actually wrote an article saying uh, AEW star didn't know he was called up because Andrade was part of that. <laughs> and Andrade tweeted, I had no idea. And people are like, look at this. He didn't even know. And then Andrade posts a video where he's clearly backstage at Dynamite. So right. it's like people got to stop <laughs> assuming everything on Twitter is real, you nerds. Yeah. Yeah. So if I were a betting man, because JD, answer me this outside of outside of Illinois and Florida, meaning Chicago and Jacksonville specifically, what state does AEW Ooh. like to run the most? And uh, that would be Texas, sir. Texas. They have ran every city in that state multiple times at this point. Um, I always thought Austin and Dallas were the same city, but apparently they're separate. So no, um, they're they, even clo- they, I don't think they're close. I, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> but they were yeah they they were in Austin this week and uh, they 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 do Dallas. They've done um I don't have they have they done Galveston? I know they've done Houston. I know they've been in San Antonio. So they've been around. They've, they've it's a big state. yeah they they yeah they go all over that state. And so um they could actually leverage the fact that they have the Von Erichs and Tony Khan, huge huge fan of the history of wrestling. That's the only reason Brian Pillman has a fucking job. Because is because he was Brian a fan. Pillman. Because he was a fan of Brian Pillman Sr., right? Yeah, I think the only reason Tony Khan puts up with all this stuff with CM Punk is because he's a Brian Pillman fan. And yeah. part of him is like, I'm living my own Brian Pillman story right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's how Hook got a job, just because he's Taz's kid. Right? Okay, Hook's got something, uh, though. No one Hook, can argue Hook that. might have 
He's no Dominic Mysterio, but he's pretty damn good. I'll I'll give him that. But uh, and uh, what what are what's Arn Anderson's kid's name? Brock. Um, Brock Anderson. Yeah, eh, like that, that guy's here. got a job just because he's that's Arn's kid. Like Tony just likes people with family history. I would say uh, you know the Von Erics. If you just get them doing some brawling, yeah, they're all right. They're all right. Yeah, they can brawl. They can brawl. They can do the yeah. claw and the punch, yeah. which is really. I mean, let's be honest. Like David was good. Kevin yeah. and Carrie were fine. Like those guys okay. got by on like charisma. They had some, they, but weird charisma, physical. But charisma. I wa- dude, I watched some early world class stuff, and um, Car- Kevin w- could actually go at points. And then later, as after that eighty three eighty four period, you know when everything started falling apart, he could no longer go. But mm-hmm. like eighty two, Kevin was really good. Eighty two, Carrie could have been the NWA world heavyweight champion. Everybody always says that David was going to be the champ. I'm here to tell you he was never going to be the champ. Oh, they you're were wrong. never going to put no, they were never putting that belt on him. David Go back and listen first- to the lamentable tragedy of, of world class championship wrestling from the, the lapsed fan. We they analyze it and then I went back and watched those shows from that time period. I and and on Impact Plus you can actually see when David went to St. Louis at no point did anybody ever talk about him being the NWA champ. He was not even pushed in that direction. The guy that was being pushed in that direction was Kerry. Because Kerry had the body, but David could yeah. do the – David was the personality. David he, was he big. Was. David could cut the promo. Like, yes. David was never put in the spot to be that. Like, David was, tw- what, 24? Yeah, like, but was everybody so was saying – I know, but everybody is always saying, you know, because it's it's like one of those things when someone dies, you just want to say a lot of really nice things about them. And I get Fair. it. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, like musicians will die and everybody will say, oh, that was my favorite musician. It's like, no, nah, I don't think it really was. Or, you know, like Heath Ledger died and everybody's like, oh, he was such great. He had, you know, two good movies. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like we got to We got to stop with this. So people went back and said that, hold on. People went back and said, that David was going to be the world champion. I don't think that was ever true. I think David was going to be the world champ. And the problem with Heath Ledger is that he was 30 and his two best movies came out consecutively. Yes. They were back to back. Awesome movies where we just started. I hate about you. He was like 20 years old, man. I'm kidding. That was a good movie, by the way. And it was like they were giving him cheese ball parts, like a knight's tale and all that. Like, he doesn't make a real movie till Brokeback Mountain. And like, people like, oh my God, Heath Ledger's really good. And then in The Dark Knight, he was all anybody talked about. He was all anybody was talking about before he died. Do I think the Oscar came because of it? Yeah, I really do. But that guy was about to have a really big career. Because that's all people were talking about in 2007 was how Heath Ledger was redefining the Joker. People were all up in arms about it. It was all the talk of things. And then, and again, I'm biased this because my whole entire family and friends worked on the set of The Dark Knight. So very personal, very personal connection to me on that. He he really did redefine what the Joker was. And everybody that's played the Joker since then has just been doing a Heath Ledger Ledger. knockoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. like uh, the 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 kid from Thirty Seconds to Mars. What's his name that did it? Jared in the Suicide Leto. Squad. Yeah, that guy. He's um, fifty, by the I, way. He's not a kid. He's fifty. He's fifty. He looks he younger. Was, he looks younger than me. That's depressing. He was on my so-called life when we were in high school. When I was in high school, you might have been in junior high. I, yeah, I you was ever, in junior. I never watched that show though. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Did you ever watch? Did you ever see Prefontaine, the Steve Free no. Prefontaine movie? It's a great sports yeah. movie. Yeah, well, it's, he's like he's the cross country runner. Right? Cross country runner. It's a great yeah. movie though. Like, really, I've never seen it. Oh no, it's really good. Ar- Arlie, okay. you know, Arlie Ermy, the guy from Full Metal Jacket, plays the coach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
It's great. I highly okay. recommend it. Highly. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's been around forever. I've yeah. been around forever. But yeah, he sucked as the Joker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I did not. I did not like him as. Did you? Did you like um, Joaquin Phoenix uh, as the Joker? I never saw it. Same here. <laughs> I never watched it because I was like, I'm just, I'm just not into it. Like I got, the these same. guys are just trying to do the Joker. There's only two. Like okay. Jack Nicholson, I liked Jack Nicholson as the Joker. But he was just right? Jack Nicholson with makeup. Yeah, he was. He was. And but I I just like Jack Nicholson, right? Me too. But I don't my the best Joker, the two best Jokers are Heath Ledger and Mark Hamill, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And Mark for for the you kids at home, Mark Hamill is in um the cartoon Batman. Batman the animated, animated series. Yeah, Correct. Batman the animated series. So I don't know how we transitioned from David Von Eric to no. This is what's good. This is actually good stuff here. Talking about things like that. Yeah. I. I. I, That's the thing about like the the trailers came out for the Joker movie, and first I was like, how do you make a Joker movie? And then I saw the first trailer. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And then I that was like the first one where it was just like the the merry go round set to the the guess who's laughing. I'm like, this could be interesting. And then I saw the actual trailer and went. I have no interest in this whatsoever. And this <laughs> yeah. proposed sequel, not even pros are making it with Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. That's going to no. be a musical. Nothing. Mm. I got, and I'm a nerd, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm our friend from speaking a strong style, Jeremy Feinstone. I know he's listening right now. Appreciate his work. No, he's listening to this and happy. We're talking about some comic stuff. I think he'll agree with me on this, that uh, it's not for us. I see. It's not for mm. me. Definitely. I know no, no. interest in it. That's all. No. Yeah. Not, not for me either. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of not for me, uh, Game Changer Wrestling's had a weird couple of weeks. Um, I have not been paying attention. Some, Let, educate me some, on Game Changer. With some talent issues that they're having. Um, so last week, Alex Cologne, who was kind of, he was like a guy for them. Um, that big deathmatch guy. He's a big deathmatch guy. And he had a big falling out. Um, he had a big falling out with uh, Brett Lauderdale. And he had uh, he had come out against him, saying that he wasn't being paid well, that he was being mistreated, that he was being talked down to and disrespected. And then another guy, um, I don't know what this guy's actual name is. Here, I'm going to open up his Twitter. Uh, sorry, folks, this is bad radio. Just because I for I already forgot what his Kyle the Beast, Kyle, King no of the is. King of the, never heard of this guy, never heard of this guy. Okay, so he came out with one of those notes app like statements oh you I know? Hate people do that. Yeah. and it's like a, a tldr basically saying that that similarly that brett lauderdale was being disrespectful to him and i was like okay you know D- brett lauderdale doesn't seem like he's a saint he's he books people to break glass over their heads i don't think that's a guy that's got a ton of class but the funny part is is that eventually the the payouts were getting so much so low and low and low that Brett Lauderdale was paying him in singles and quarters after a <laughs> you, you don't even do that with the stripper, man. You don't give the stripper quarters. Where are you gonna put them? Yeah. Like, wow. That's terrible. Quarters. Yeah. You know, I think there's probably only like five people in the world who were deathmatch wrestlers that ever really made a sustainable living doing death matches, right? So if you're going into that world, you have to fully expect Onita. that a the yeah, Onita, right? Terry Funk, um, Cactus yeah, Jack, Terry, Mick Terry Foley. Funk is Terry Funk, and- he, but he did make a lot of money doing death he matches. He did, yeah. He did. So um, he was he was awesome, amazing. Death He's matches death was at the Enderkin. He's, He's not, not a deathmatch death wrestler. wrestler. 
Yeah. No, but that's where I first learned of death matches was Terry sure. Funk videos, right? So sure. I still so he had the the NWA career, then he had the great like you know had a little cup of coffee WWF, great WCW run against Ric Flair, and then as he got older. Um, and the movie, the movie studios were not having him and the TV shows were not having him. He he went, he went into deathmatch wrestling and he made a ton of money. Yeah. But you got Onita funk, uh, cactus Jack and probably Nick Gage is probably making some pretty good cheddar. Right. I think Nick Gage probably makes pretty good. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, since he got out of prison before he went in, obviously wasn't making that much money because he had to rob a bank. Right. So, um, that wasn't paying him very well. Is John Moxley a deathmatch wrestler? No, he's got deathmatch elements to him, but I wouldn't yeah. call him a deathmatch wrestler. No, I I would say he is like deathmatch adjacent. Like he yeah. he's like, you know, he was always like, um, he he's a guy that can actually tell a good story in the ring. He's a brawler, mm-hmm. right? And some of his brawls turn into deathmatches. But even in his deathmatches, like. Yeah, he's more like a Brody, right? Mm-hmm. Even his death matches, like there's still a story and a suspense around them, and it, the story is the match, and the violence is just part of the art of the mm-hmm. of the story, right? That's the way I see John Moxley. A lot of these other clowns, they're just blowing each other up and throwing each other in the barbed wire for the sake of it. Um, but the me. top five, the Nick Gage, not really, but the other guys, o- Onita. Onita, Cactus Jack, and Terry Funk, they could actually have really good matches and tell good stories with their mm-hmm. death matches too. But the most other these these other jokers, they're just clowns. Is is again, I don't I try not to pay attention to GCW, anything that's not um uh Josh Barnett related. Yeah. Are they as hot as they were a year ago? I don't hear nearly no. as much talk about GCW as we used to. Mm-mm. No, no, I think they're on Fight Plus now. I don't even think they're selling pay-per-views anymore. And they're still, dude, they're running show after show after show. But since that since that Manhattan Center show where they kind of shit the bed on it, they haven't really been a big deal. And now they just kind of piggyback off of WrestleMania and AEW's big shows. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I've never, there's always, like, there's some people that swear by GCW, but I always felt like the the seedier, sleazier aspect of pro wrestling to me. Like mm. I never, I never got into it. Not, not, not for me. No, there, there's been some matches that they've had that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, there's, like, there's been, and they work with we good have wrestlers. Some, yeah. And we have good friends that like that really, yeah, really like them. Love it. Like, mm-hmm, and some sure. listeners of the show, I just, it just, I just never, but I've never been a, a death match guy and I don't really like my wrestling you know, since so, I've been an adult to be overly sexual and I'm just my, not interested. Yeah, in me too. I don't, I don't care yeah. if I, that stuff, even ECW, I never cared for those elements of ECW. I always, I don't like the sophomoric side of professional wrestling, right? Yeah. Which again, sex and wrestling always comes off sophomoric. So not for me. You know who I did like in GCW was Matt Cardona. And Matt Cardona still there. Yeah. And, and I, I love Matt Cardona. Yeah. His, the stuff he did, with GCW title, the stuff he did with Moxley was just really good storytelling. I thought that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and he's probably him and like Janela are probably like their and Nick Gage obviously are probably their their few guys that are and that and that's really about it. But none okay. of those guys seem to be under a contract. So, mm-hmm. um, but yo, um, before we get off here, I just wanted to throw in a quick plug um, on Sunday on Patreon our um, Don Callis Kenny Omega. 
A Matter of Family podcast dropped. I really enjoyed it. I think that you guys will too. So head over to patreon.com slash fightgamemedia where you get to hear JD tell the story of how he got worked by Don Callis. Um, and that work ended up on uh, AEW television and springboarded Callis becoming Omega's manager, which then led to all kinds of big stuff happening with Kenny Omega. Including right now what's going on. Piggybacking off a little story that that I work with uh, Mr. Callis on unintentionally, so yeah, that was really fun. I think that our Patreon is uh, it's going to be different. Like we're trying to do a show that's not quite this show because I don't know if yeah. that's cool if we just do the same show asking guys to pay money to listen to the exact same bullshit that we do every week. Like instead, yeah. we're going to focus on um, storytelling. And like I'm getting back into it. I kind of threw. A thing on my Twitter about, hey, I want. I think I'm going to get back into writing about wrestling. Truth of the matter is, I got a couple books coming out. I got mm-hmm. one wrestling fiction, wrestling fiction book coming out within the next uh, six months or so. Maybe we'll see how. We'll see how I cannot wait for that'll be the next book I read. You're going to get it as soon as I get my yeah. notes back from uh, from our good friend John Muse and from my editor. I'm getting those guys, and now I'm gonna. I'm I'm gonna. I, I kick the tires on this idea. For about a year or so now, and I'm actually going to do it now. I want to write a my first. No, I, it's so weird. I've written far more nonfiction pieces than I ever have fiction pieces. Like, but I've never written a nonfiction book. Like, it's it intimidates me the idea of doing a nonfiction book. And like, I want to give it a try. So I'm going to write a history of the Chicago territory in the 1950s. Right. That's the first national wrestling promotion. But in order Mm -hmm. to do that, I kind of got to raise my profile a little bit. So I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be writing about wrestling again. I'm going to launch a sub. I'm not going to work with anybody. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to launch a sub stack and uh, we're going to start off and it's all going to be for free. So if you sign up for the sub stack, you're going to get a weekly story, hopefully weekly by weekly. We'll see how it plays out from yours truly. And uh, I'm going to be writing history of pro wrestling stuff. And I'm going to republish some things that maybe went under the radar the last time. Like um, I wrote a piece for the fight game site about uh, Victor Zangief, you know, the mm-hmm. inspiration for the yeah. Zangief character from, from street fighter and uh, his, his background in North of city and rush. I got to sneeze. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't find mute, and I couldn't get it out. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's a nightmare. So yeah, I'm gonna be doing some. We'll repurpose some stories. I'm gonna write some new stuff, and then hopefully it can kind of inspire us to do the stuff we do on the Patreon, and you know, kind of get me back into the hey, I'm JD Leva, wrestling historian kind of guy, so that um I can give people reason to read my books when they come out. Yeah, it's kind of kind of selfishly. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I'm looking forward to our Patreon content coming up uh, here. Uh, not this coming up. Uh, I'm going to be doing um, BF. I'm going to do Brace for Impact coming up here pretty soon, doing an Under Siege review because Impact has a big show coming up there. And then next month, the Mike and JD um, premium content, we're going to be covering uh, the Black Scorpion, so stay tuned for that. Sting. Sting. We gotta get Larock on because he does a really good. <laughs> yeah. Black Scorpion yeah. Well, yeah. We we just need Larock on in general because he's a Black Scorpion historian. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have to get his insight. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be doing a Black Story, uh, Black Scorpion story. I want to talk about who should have been the Black because the Black Scorpion was Ric Flair and it made absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um. So who should it have been? Who should? And I have a very clear idea in my head who should who the black scorpion should have been so i'm very excited to talk about that because uh it's one of my favorite subjects yeah so stay tuned for that patreon.com slash fight game media and until next week mahalo this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.